2: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Hope you're getting through the day, getting through the week, getting through the month. Focusing on uh, self-care, rest, joy, and pleasure. Make sure, if you haven't already, that some at some point today, whenever it is you're listening to this live or afterwards, that you definitely carve out some time for some joy. Eating a donut, listening to some music, going for a walk. I was actually going to say reading a magazine. How many of you still read magazines? Is that still a thing? Whoa, that was a flashback. Uh, Whatever it might be. Also, some rest, and I don't mean sleep. Napping? Maybe. Maybe just laying there daydreaming. Maybe sitting outside. Maybe sitting in the bathtub. More rest. Uh, Got a great show planned for you, though. It's a little bit of a hodgepodge. A lot of really important stuff we're going to cover. So, you know, we talked... Um, last night, uh, maybe it wasn't last night. We talked recently. I never know. Sorry. A- everything at some point kind of blends into my head. Uh, <laughs> as I said, I'm really bath chronology. So this could have been last year point being, um, at some point, either this week or last week. Again, I don't really remember. I was talking a lot about how a lot of the skills that we need as, as parents or primary caregivers are the exact same things that we can offer or are required in our adult relationships. And I think there's something really powerful and beautiful in that uh, commonality and that, that, that thread that's woven through all the above. Because what it does is it reminds us that as humans, we never lose those needs. The same things we need as a child from a caregiver are the same things we need from adults, those other people in our lives. As primary figures. Um, there's nothing regressive or primitive or elementary or immature about that. In fact, it's a sign of maturity when you can acknowledge, I can't do things on my own. I'm better when I'm connected and in relationality of whatever kind. Um, co- co- uh, co-regulation, borrowed functioning, I use those words a lot. We are made better because of the people in our lives. As children and as adults, we need a safe haven to go to when we're having tough or difficult times. We are recharged, soothed held by others, to process, to be seen. Also, we need a secure base, those same individuals as children and adults, from which to go off into the world confidently, feeling encouraged, knowing that someone has our back, someone believes in us. That's how you be a good parent, that's also how you be a good partner. Came across a little bit of research that I thought was kind of awesome. Again, it was focused on parent and child, but again, this is what your adult partner also needs from you. And it was in reference to cuddling, touch. We need and require a lot of touch. I think at this point we're all kind of familiar with these studies that we're always referencing uh, about early life and how if we aren't touched, we die. We also don't develop the receptors that are hungry for touch. We then don't feel safe with touch. We don't seek it. We haven't been shown what it can do for us. So it can overwhelm us, it can unsettle us. We don't see it as a resource necessarily. So we need a lot of touch. Again, we also need that into our adulthood, but somehow we've created this really problematic developmental vision plan, ideal of moving away from needing that, that as an adult, you should do things on your own. If you don't love yourself, how are you going to love other people? All this mess. No, we learn how to love others by being loved. (laughs) We learn how to regulate by being regulated. We always require those things. Those are not things we ever outgrow and that's okay. We can get those from a multitude of resources. It doesn't have to be a primary romantic partner, although that's ideally where in our culture we get it, but it can also be a best friend. It can be a friend, a family member. That's why I'm all about platonic touching. I want people to be able to hug, put their arm around, cuddle up to friends. That shouldn't be something that's seen as erotic or cheating. And I know in our world, a lot of people be threatened by seeing their partner cuddling up to a friend. But again, I'm assuming you're only in relationships with people you trust. If you don't trust your partner to cuddle up with their friend, then you either need to learn how to trust and get rid of your toxic ideals of what monogamy is, or you need to stop dating people that you don't trust, that aren't worthy of being trusted, that have poor boundaries. You better believe I lean up against my friends. I cuddle my friends. I put my arm around my friends. I tell my friends I love them. And I would never be in a primary committed romantic relationship with someone who shamed or pathologized that. I would say to them, you're not going to to limit the the affection and care and love that I can provide and receive from, from safe, healthy people in my life. And if you don't trust me, we'll go work on trust because I'm worthy of trust, but I won't have someone's jealousy dictate the behaviors I make. Remember not all jealousy is valid. You have a right. If your partner's way off to say, I hear that you're jealous and I want to hear about it and I want to talk about it, but it is not appropriate in the way that you're applying it. And I can't honor what you're asking. Partners shouldn't be telling us who our friends are and how we relate to our friends. That is not what adults do. Relationships are not about control. Relationships are about being with someone, witnessing the world, having care, having support, but not putting controls on them like that. These are beautiful resources that we should be able to have a lot of different access to. But my God, as a primary caregiver to a child and as a primary partner to someone, make sure you are absolutely offering that and providing that. So when we come back, we're going to talk about the benefits of cuddling, and then we're going to bounce beyond that. And uh, we're going to talk about how to be a good ally to your child if they come out as non-binary, gender fluid. Uh, yeah, because I know it's something you're going to hear more about because there is more support, more health, more resources, more awareness. These, This always existed, y'all. We just didn't have words for it or support for it. People weren't confident in doing it. It's not new. More people are making realizations, though. It's a beautiful thing. Stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. So uh, don't go anywhere. See you in a minute.
2: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law
0: selling a little or a lot.
1: Oh, Rachel, we're back, and uh, kind of a throwback, but we're moving in a new direction. I was talking on another show about how um, the same things that our children need from us as primary caregivers are the exact same things that our partners need from us as adults. We never outgrow the same basic core things. That's awesome. It's that simple. Provide it. And now we're talking about touch requirements. We need as much of it as possible. We are a t- we are a touch-starved culture. We do not get enough of it. I'm talking about appropriate consent-based enthusiastically consent-based touch that's the assumption within that we need more I want people to be hugging and touching their friends. Yeah, that's right. I want us to lean up against our friends, hug our friends, put our arms around our friends, tell, the friends, tell our friends we love them, saying they're their family members because we're in adult relationships with people we trust that trust us. So there's nothing to worry about. If you trust your partner, it doesn't matter who they're hugging. Not Touch is not all erotic. We have to get away from the idea that you can't be friends with an ex, that you can't be friends with the gender you're attracted to, that you can't have affection with your friends. It's time to grow up, y'all. We have to be more mental health centered and we have to be not be so toxic in our thinking because we perceive relationships from a point of ownership and jealousy as though we're competing with everyone and everything should be threatening and we own our partner. None of that is true or accurate. That is toxic thinking. We're moving away from that. So let's drop into it for a second. We're talking specifically about cuddling, what parents need to provide for children, but this is also again what adults need. Cuddling increases, increases affection. We get it and it helps reduce fear. We feel safer when we are in the presence of others. We feel even safer when they're touching us. It is a regulatory function. Think about it. What is the first thing we think to do when someone we care about who's right near us starts getting upset? We reach out to touch them. We put our arm on their shoulder. We put our hand on their leg. We wrap our arm around them. We maybe pull them in close. We maybe reach out for a hug. It's a natural instinct. You don't necessarily generally need to be trained to do that. Children need that as much as possible, but so do adults. I tell adults to do that. I'll say your partner is upset. Turn to them, grab them, touch them, co-regulate them. They're struggling. They need you right now. So again, cuddling increases affection and it also reduces our fears and it communicates to the person that I'm a safe resource. I'm here for you. It lets us have a heart to heart connection. We we, we are regulated when we feel someone else is breathing up against ours. It's such a powerful tool. Cuddling can also change their brains. That's right, how our brains are structured is relationally dependent. Our brains are social and relational organs, truly the way they develop the amount of receptors that are hungry for or scared of consciously unconsciously internal working models all are created based on how we perceive others do uh, have we been trained to believe that others are safe have we been trained to believe that touch is safe or have we been raised in a family where touch is based on poor boundaries or violence but if they're based on security and soothing we'll seek it we'll want it we'll be able to tolerate a lot of it so people as adults. Or don't know how to be touched, or don't, or aren't very affectionate, or can't handle, or raised in environments where that wasn't offered, or that wasn't centered. I've been in relationships with those people who are raised in low touch families. And then as an adult, when I'm trying to hug them, cuddle them, It's uncomfortable for them. It's foreign to them. They don't have familiarity with it. They're not hungry for it. That's heartbreaking because they're missing a tool and resource for connection, but they're also missing a tool and resource for mental and physical health. Our nervous systems, our vagus nerve, which runs through almost our entire body and is about social connection and social safety is toned and kept strong and healthy via touch and relationships. These are biological things. We need it as adults from those in our lives. We also need it as children from our caregivers. So it changes our brains and it allows us to be more receptive towards affection as we grow throughout our development. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Cuddling also triggers the release of oxytocin, which is awesome. It's, you know, it's a, it's a hormone that's associated with a lot of safety and closeness and love um, and it can strengthen the bond. The more of that, the better, it bonds us. The more touch, the more secure you'll feel. The more touch, the closer you'll feel. The more touch, the safer you'll feel. There's no such thing as too much. You can't touch your child too much, but yes, your child can be taken away from you too soon. Yes, you can try to force your child into this toxic adult independence concept that they shouldn't need you anymore, that they shouldn't be emotional anymore, that they shouldn't require hugs anymore. That's gross, don't do that, don't be that parent. That's bullying, let your kids Be as touch-immersed as they want to be. We need more emotionality. We need more relationality. I promise you, I work with these adults in my clinical practice. They're my patients and have been for decades. I promise you, people need more relationality, more emotionality, and more touch, not the opposite. Cuddling also is an opportunity to show someone you love them. (laughs) What a beautiful way to do that with your entire body again we need more of that people that don't have access to or can't tolerate a lot of touch miss out on the opportunity to have it communicated in that way you know verbal expressions are great it's really great to hear how much someone cares for and loves you and values you but touch is a really beautiful way to also communicate that and again it soothes our nervous system it soothes our psyche makes us feel even closer and even safer um and then finally, it helps build resilience. It helps them to regulate big emotions that they aren't able to manage on their own. And as adults, we also experience emotions that are bigger than what we have the internal resources to cope with. That happens throughout our entire lifespan. As children, we, as children, we need that help, and again, as adults. So don't be averse to it. <laughs> you know, Pinpoint how, where and how you need to work on that. That's what I love. Again, I shared this on another show. Whenever you as an adult don't know what to do, When your adult needs something from you, think of them as a child and say, if they were a little child before me, my child, another child, what would I do? And whatever the answer is that comes into your mind is what that adult needs as well. (laughs) For you to sit down and talk to them, if you just scoop them up and hold them, if you to tell them that everything's gonna be okay, for you to rub their back, whatever it is, it's the same stuff, You know, start applying that. Um, All right, when we come back, we are going to talk about uh, how to be an ally for your non-binary child. Yep, it's important for all adults to hear because I love these gender reveals. And they're like, it's a boy, it's a girl. You don't know that? They haven't told you yet. All you can do is say they have a penis or a vagina or they're intersex. You have no idea what their gender is. They have to tell you. All these wild assumptions we make. Your child might come out as trans, non-binary. You don't know. It's a beautiful thing, though. So we're going to learn how to manage it better. Stick around. You're listening to Love Live with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, we're back. Talking about, drumroll, how to be in ally how to show up better for kids in your life now look i know it's new for a lot of people just a couple months ago i had to give my mom a little bit of a rundown explaining pronouns also the difference between gender and sex she was very confused remember sex is rooted in the genitals that we're looking at the anatomy we determine if we see a penis boy we see a vagina girl some people are intersexed some people have ambiguous genitals gender is basically the expression Gender is based on how people present or how people feel internally. Gender is often demonstrated by hair, fashion. It's, it's, it's an expression where sex traditionally is anatomy driven. Now there's more than two sexes. We used to think there's only two. There's multiple sexes because our genitals can present in a multitude of ways. We traditionally saw more penis or, or vulva, and so meant boy and girl, but there's different versions of intersex, and we've talked a little bit about that. And then gender, there's hundreds of ways to express your gender. Just because you might have the sex of a male, a penis, doesn't mean that their gender is aligned with that. So we have to be very thoughtful about these uh, gender reveals, because all you can do is actually reveal someone's sex. All you can really say is, well, they were born. We looked at what was uh, between their legs, and here's what we saw. We don't know, though, how they're going to feel internally or how they're going to express themselves, a.k.a. gender. But we can tell you the sex. And that's kind of weird to be like, they have a penis. They have a vagina. It's a little ambiguous. They're intersex. Gender, we don't know. They're gonna, as they age, determine for themselves who they are and what their pronouns are and how they wanna move through the world. So there's a huge distinction. And luckily, even dictionaries are accepting they and them as a singular. For people that don't feel comfortable with she and her or he and him, I'm here for it. That's mental health, truth, authenticity. How could we ever have thought that everyone was gonna fit in two boxes and two boxes only, and that that was gonna be acceptable and healthy? It doesn't work like that with anything. (laughs) Um, So we wanna, and I appreciate, Caregivers parents partners. It's hard when someone comes out. You don't know what to do. It's overwhelming It's anxiety inducing. It's scary, but there are a few things you can do So we're gonna kind of go through that the first thing is when someone comes out to you in reference to anything sexual orientation gender expression, maybe as being poly or non monogamous um, Whatever it is. The first thing you say is thank you Thank you for caring enough about me or us in our relationship to be honest with me. Thank you for bringing me deeper into your life. Thank you for sharing with me something that sadly is still culturally a little stigmatized. You know, it's not about how you feel. It's actually not about you at all. It's about them and they're letting, they're bringing you deeper into their world. It's like if someone says, I know it's an odd example, but if someone says like, hey, I bought a new house or hey, look at my new sneakers or hey, I cut my hair. No one gives a, no a hoot what your opinion really is. They're just trying to bring you into their life. They want you to celebrate it with them. So celebrate it with them. It doesn't matter if you agree or understand. You can still say, I'm really happy to hear that you figured out who you are. I'm really thankful that you shared it with me. Your feelings about it actually aren't relevant in this moment. So say thank you. <laughs> Be brave because you don't know how hard this might have been. You don't know how long it might have taken them to get to that moment. It's getting better, thank God, but for a lot of individuals, it's taken years of them developing their own understanding and relationship with themselves and whatever it is we're talking about in this example, gender, for them to make sense of it. That's a lot of labor and work, and now in one moment, they're sharing it with you, and what they really need is people to respect them and mirror back acceptance. So again, the number one answer you first start with is, thank you, awesome, way to go. Take a deep breath and focus on that. People are afraid of being shamed and stigmatized and cut out of individual's lives. And there's no reason for it. These individuals that you care about are the same person they were moments before you found out whatever it is they told you. They're still that person. They've always been that person. Nothing's different except you now have a deeper, better understanding of their reality and their truth. What a beautiful thing to be gifted. What a beautiful thing for someone to attempt to bring you into have deep respect for that. Then, After we've said thank you and we've taken a few deep breaths, we want to honor what we were just told and you want to be confidence building by saying something like, I love you. No matter who you are and what you are, I will always love you. This is when you need to be the most affirmative. Let this individual know whoever it is, a colleague, a friend, a family member, a partner, a child that like my love for you still exists, that I'm not a bigot. demonstrate that you're not a bigot demonstrate that you're not a bully you know especially if you're a parent my god your job is to support who your child is not try to shame your child into being the person you need them to be because you don't have a lot of confidence you know and that's why we're saying thank you first and then we're affirming we're saying i see you i hear you i still love you because that's what people are worried about do you still love me and, and, and the answer should be yes, because they're not telling you anything bad or wrong or pathological or disordered. They're just letting you know the reality of the diverse, beautiful ways that they're moving through the world. Um, sit with that. We're going to take a break, do some DMs, you know, drop a few gems, <laughs> do a little learning. And then we're going to come back and talk about again how to be a good human being, actually. But through the direction of how to be a good ally, when someone talks about being non, you know, gender non-conforming, gender diverse, gender creative, gender beautiful, you know, um, so DMs. If you got a DM, first drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Put in there your questions, topics you want us to hit, something you might want us to circle back or drop deeper into. That's on the DMs in our Loveline IG page. Past episodes of the show over at wearechannelq.com. We'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. All right, y'all, we are back. Now it's time to drop some gems. We'll be doing some DMs later in the show. So if you got questions for us, bam, drop them the DMs on our Love Line at G page. Tonight's gems are being dropped around porn. What? I know we've done a whole segment on this years ago, actually, years ago. So I will come back and, and do another one. Uh listen. Uh, Like all art and all media, there's some upsides and there's some downsides. Art and media is not meant to be an educator. We don't look to video games, action films, or, you know, fiction books to teach us or educate us. Why do we put that upon adult material, erotica, and porn? Well, for many of us, it's the only place we actually will encounter sexuality or sex education. Now, why is that a downside? Well, because it's art, it's media, it's entertainment. It's not supposed to reflect the realities of the world. It's not supposed to help us understand who we are, who others are, or what, or what we should be trying to pull off. Again, you wouldn't tell your child to watch an action film and say, that's how you drive when they're flipping cars and high speed chasing. You would sit down and give them some critical thinking and say, that isn't supposed to be reality. The job of that movie is supposed to be the opposite of reality. We suspend reality, in fact, when we watch films and listen to music and look at art. Porn's the same way. So what does that mean? It means it does have some positive assets. It's not meant to be a sex educator. Sex education is meant to do that. But because we have such a crappy sex education system, people tend to look at porn and they blame it. What are you blaming it for? It's fulfilling its role. Its role is number one to normalize that. Yep. Sex is there. And so I prescribe porn. What prescribe it? Yes, I do. Sex is prescribed to some clients so they can normalize seeing adult material. Some clients are so sex negative or so sexually anxious or so sexually traumatized that that is the way they start to inch towards feeling in control is watching some porn. They choose what they choose when they choose how they choose where. And they get familiar hearing it, seeing it, and witnessing it. Also, for some people, porn is their total sex life because maybe they're single. Maybe they don't have access to a partner. Maybe the partners they like aren't available. So porn is their sex life. Solo sex and masturbation are healthy, appropriate forms of sex. It's not lesser than. It's not pathetic. For some people, it's their total sexual orientation. Not everyone is oriented towards partnered sex. Some people, it's also, they're more fetish-directed. They're fetish-sexual. But some people are solo-sexual. They prefer and value more sex with themselves. Some people even identify as baiters. Baiting is a form of masturbation. So... It's also an outlet for some people that are hypersexual. Their partner doesn't want as much sex as they do. Maybe they're in a monogamous relationship, and so porn is where they go to access more sex. And remember, solo sexuality, your relationship to yourself, pornography, masturbation, is not under the control of your partner. If you're in a monogamous relationship, your partner gets to weigh in on the commitment you made about partnered sex with them and others. Awesome. But your solo sex life, your masturbation sex life, they don't get to weigh in on If it's negatively impacting your interest in partnered sex, yeah, you got to talk about it, but no one gets to tell another adult how they can masturbate, when, where, how often, or what they can look at or think about when they masturbate. That's a form of abuse, actually. That's under your control. Also, sex is a great way for us to explore and learn about other things that turn us on. Whatever you think your sexuality is, it's actually bigger than that. It's not just about gender choice. It's about the people, places, things, sounds, sights, smells, power dynamics. And sometimes porn is where we access that, because porn is fantasy. Porn helps us have the kind of sex we want to have, where we don't have to worry about finding it out in the world, engaging other people. So it's a really safe place to let our minds wander and to explore really diverse, creative things and not just explore, but also stumble upon and realize, wow, I never knew that that was a part of my arousal template until now. I just saw it and I got turned on by it. So it's a beautiful place to experience that, to explore that, and to find out about that. Also, it can help us boost our self-esteem. If we're watching porn that reflects back the kind of body we have, the kind of things we're turned on by, it will help us eroticize ourselves and feel secure in ourselves. So make sure you're watching porn that includes bodies like the one you have. Hairy, larger bodied, smaller smaller anatomy, whatever it is, to normalize that and to value that. Also make sure you're watching porn that mimics and mirrors the kind of people you have sex with to keep yourself eroticized. And we can expand. Our sexuality does have some plasticity. So really challenge yourself to watch more diverse porn and not the same kind of body shape sizes and races over and over and over. And you're just solidifying that. Um, and then finally, it's a safe place for some partners that are monogamous to bring in other people just through the fantasy of watching them together on the screen. But you got to make sure your partner's mature enough to watch you in a state of arousal with quote unquote, another person. All right, we'll be back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all, we're back and we're talking about how to be an ally how to not be a bigot, how to not be a bully to your child if they come out as gender non-conforming or your friend or colleague or family member. This is also the same process you want to go through if someone comes out to you as... Well, comes out to you as anything that is not the standard norm. You know, if someone comes out to you as polyamorous or in an open relationship, if someone comes out to you as gay or queer or trans or lesbian or non-binary, all of these things. First thing we're talking about is how the first answer you should say is thank you. Thank you for entrusting that with me. Thank you for bringing me closer. Thank you for building intimacy and letting me know more about who you are. Um, It's a gift. They don't have to do that, especially in this stigmatized world. No one owes you anything, but they're trusting you. That's why the follow-up is something of affirmative and confidence enhancing because people are afraid of being shamed or being cut out of others lives so the first thing is thank you second thing is I love you still you're still the same person you've always been because this is who you've always been and I've always loved you as you were this thing and now I just know more about you being poly or queer or gay or trans or non-binary or gender fluid because your opinions on it don't really matter You don't have to agree with it. You don't have to like it, because guess what? It ain't about you, just like, I don't care what you think about my haircut, or my shoes, or my car, or my house, or my vacation. But when someone shares that with you, it's not because they need you to approve. Keep your negative opinions to yourself, seriously. They're just trying to celebrate it with you. People are sharing things to celebrate. Yes, there are some people that want acceptance, That's in there as well, unfortunately. We do wanna be accepted often by others. Please provide that. But if you're not able to provide that, you can still celebrate their understanding and their expression. And then you need to go back and do a little research and learning. You need to do some sensitivity training, maybe a little empathy learning and building. Understand what they're talking about. Go do the research. It's not their job to necessarily educate you. It's not anyone's job to educate you. We got free Google, you know, go do the work. There might be a time to ask some questions, but if you're a little confused, go seek some resources. There's tons of them. Get into some therapy, read a book, Google some stuff, watch some documentaries, you know, seek out a support group, but affirm this individual because that's what they need. Um, Okay. So we're saying thank you. Then we're saying, I love you. Then bump it bum, We're asking them, is there any way we can help or support them? You know, Um, because as a parent, you should be your child's biggest ally, not their bully and not their biggest bigot. You know, your job is to love them and take care of them, no matter how they are. They didn't ask to be born. They don't owe you anything. They never said, please birth me. You made that decision. You forced them into the world, and here's who they are. Your job is to deal with it, support it, and love them. They don't owe you anything. You owe them a lot. You drag them into this cuckoo world. Um, so your question is, how can I support you? Because they're going to need you, and they're going to need support. It's it, We know the suicide rate is so profoundly reduced, when there's at least one primary person in a child's life that supports them being non-binary or or gay or queer or trans. So again, don't be part of their suicidality. Be part of their healing and their affirmation. And that's why, again, the first thing is thank you. The second thing is something affirmative, like I love you. Then we're asking them, is there any way I can support you? And then finally, as we talked about, you go get the support you need (laughs) because your child is going to need you to be able to advocate for them. You know, it's not their job to teach you. They're still learning. It's your job to learn so that you can educate those around your child because your child is going to be going up against a lot in this world. And that's heartbreaking I have to say, but unfortunately we live in a world full of prejudice of anything that isn't normative. All of this is getting more normative. I'm so thankful that in my lifetime, I'm getting to see peer run school-based organizations that support all this. I did not have or see that when I was a kid. These terms didn't even exist when I was a kid. When I was in high school, we didn't even have the word transsexual or transgender. (laughs) Those weren't applied. Now, kids are in grade school with queer, trans, non-binary, Students and friends. So whether or not you like it or agree with it, your child is going to be encountering this in the world. Educate yourself and them. Because again, as a primary caregivers, you don't want to be your child's first bully. You want to be their first supporter. You know, you dragged them into this world. That's on you to give that to them. And again, that's what we apply to all the different things. Because um, there's so many different ways to move through the world in terms of relational structures gender identities and expressions, and also sexual orientations. Um, and again, we're learning. You know, In my generation, we didn't have access to this information and support and community, and so people were doing a lot of things in the shadows, and that's unfortunate, because that's when a lot of things go wrong, or there's a lot of shame, and it's not mental health centered. So I'm thankful that the world's different. But we still got a lot of work to do. We still definitely live in a very phobic culture, as I said, of things that are a little diverse, or colorful, or creative, or not normative. So we're working on healing that we can all be a part of that because you might not be the child's primary caregiver, but you might be friends or a family member or the teacher of someone who's coming out or of someone whose child is coming out and you can at least help them with that easy step say thank you affirm and tell them you love them, ask them how you can support them and then you go get some education and support yourself for easy points and steps, you know, all right, y'all. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about a few things that you—it's kind of like your relational bill of rights, you know—these things that we tend to shame that you have a right to ask for in a relationship. So it's a good list. Stick around for that, and then of course we'll be closing out with some DMs. So stick around for that. All right, y'all. Um, yeah. Okay. You're listening. To, we'll be back. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Love Line with Doctor Gross on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. We'll be right back. All right, y'all. We're back and. Important topic. We're going to just go through a few things that are acceptable to request, expect, or ask for when in a relationship, kind of your relational bill of rights. I think these topics are important because a lot of people have a lot of shame or guilt just being vulnerable and asking for what it is they need. And so I kind of want to normalize. You know, everyone gets to decide the structure and whatnot of their relationship. There's so many diverse ways to be in a relationship or to be with someone. There's no right way. There's no wrong way. No one's way is more correct or more legitimate than anyone else's. But I want to kind of normalize a few things. The first thing is um, check-ins. I uh, remember, we want a secure, attached relationship. We're looking for um, consistent, available, reliable, responsive. Consistent, available, reliable, responsive. It's okay to want that. That's how we get traction. That's how we build closeness. Um, But some people worry about that. They're afraid to ask for consistency. And I think there's something really beautiful and complimentary in that. That doesn't mean you're gonna get that. That doesn't mean that's what the other person wants. But it's okay if you're getting to know someone and it's you know romantically driven and you say to them, hey, I'd love to hear from you more often. You're allowed to express your needs. That doesn't mean that you're correct or that you have a right to it, but you're allowed to express it, you're allowed to ask for it. And then the partner, the other, gets to determine what they're open for. And I love that that conversation starting where someone might say, yeah, you know what, I'm looking for something slower, something more casual. Um, I don't have as much availability as you require. And then you get to decide if you can meet the needs that are now possible and you might say yeah I'm looking for someone who's got a more availability or yeah I get it I really like you and that works for me and and I won't then interpret that space and distance as you not being interested so it's not that your needs are, are, are more important than what their needs are, but you're getting that conversation started. It's a lot of things I hear in my own social group and within my clinical practice with my patients is this whole idea of being anxious about asking for consistency or more presence. And that's a compliment, it's a compliment. So if someone says that to you, whether you want that or not, take the freaking compliment. They want more closeness, they wanna to get to know you. But be honest. Don't don't mislead individuals. If someone says that to you and you're on board, cool. But if someone says that and you're not, let them know where you're at and what you're looking for so that they then can have informed, they can make an informed decision, informed consent as to what they want to be a part of. Um, also, um, time together, reassurance. Um, there's something also really meaningful about that. It's okay to want to plan things. It's okay when spending time with someone and that's winding down to say, hey, what's your availability like? When can I see you again? I wanna really motivate people to express desire. I know that when you're getting to know someone or even when you've been with someone for a while, it can feel very very vulnerable to communicate desire. You know, that I like you and I like to see more of you or I like to move this into a more exclusive or consistent place. I want people to feel confident asking for that. Just like I want people on the receiving end to feel confident again, clarifying that maybe they want something slower or more casual. But the, the main point of this segment is to really, really, really offer support for those that are anxious that maybe they're too needy or that they're too much. Because we never know what the other person's wanting or thinking and we're too comfortable calling our friends up and dissecting a text message or making assumptions you never know what's going on for that other person you never know why they're not as available or why they're not as consistent or why they're not maintaining as much closeness you never know it might have nothing to do with their level of interest it might even have nothing to do with their level of availability but I want adults to practice vulnerable one-on-one conversations so if you're the friend of that person your answer to them should be I don't know why don't you have a conversation with that person I can't dissect or make meaning out of the text message because I could only tell you what it would mean for me. And I'm not this person because it doesn't always mean a does not always mean B just because someone doesn't reach out every day. That doesn't mean they're not interested. It's not as simple as if they liked you, they'd reach out more. It isn't. There's a lot of things that people are up against. That's what I see in my patients in my practice, traumas, scheduling, struggling with intimacy and vulnerability, unclear what it is that you're even looking for. So again, the whole, the whole thesis of this segment is when in doubt, go find out when in doubt, ask them. But I don't want anyone to feel like they're too much or they're needy. Those aren't real concepts. It's just, you might want more closeness or consistency than they do. No one's right and no one's wrong. And there's no accurate amount. You can't be too needy. You could just want more than they want. They might want less than you want. Neither is more correct. It's just different. And it doesn't always mean that you're incompatible and it's time to bounce. Sometimes we have to actually stick around and learn how to accommodate someone else's way of being. It can't be that, Oh, I want to talk every day. And if they don't, we're not right. We're not a match. No, it's that you'd prefer to talk every day. You'd be more comfortable and confident if you talked every day, but maybe it's time to learn how to let a day or two go by and still feel desired and to still be present. It can't always be the way we want it again. Relationships aren't about us never being made uncomfortable and us never being required to grow or be better. And this other person is just dropped in seamlessly and everything's perfect. It doesn't work like that. Relationships and dating are about two separate people or more who have lives already in motion with different needs and desires, trying to figure out if they can form something, a third other there's my life, their life. And then we try to come together and form this new thing. So it can't always be at your comfort or your way. But again, that doesn't mean you're needy or demanding or clingy or too much. It's just that you may be like more intimacy or more closeness or more consistency. And I want you to feel confident asking for that. Go directly to the individual to find out what their thoughts are on that. Not your best friend. Your best friend could only speak from their experience and what they would want. They don't know what this other person desires, needs, or is intending. That's the beautiful thing about technology. We can reach out and ask someone what their thoughts are, and we can make a proposition of what we'd prefer. Hey, I'd love to text more. I'd love to see you more. How does that feel? How does that sound? Does that work for you? You know? All right, we're going to come back and talk more about this, Um, and then we're going to be doing those DMs. So if you got a DM, first drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. As always, questions go in there, topics, things you want us to hit. And past episodes of the show are over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down look for Love Line and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share lots of good stuff. But um, yeah, don't go anywhere. We'll be back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. Lots more to come. All right, y'all. We're back talking about things that some people label as too much, too needy, too clingy. Nope, it's just a difference. No right way. No right level. Just different. We don't wanna shame people for expressing their differences or what their needs are. Yeah, we wanna be aware of ourselves. We can't always make these demands. We're not more right or more correct because we want more of something. Someone doesn't necessarily have an intimacy disorder because they want less closeness or less intimacy. It's just who they are. There's no right way. It's just differences. And sometimes we have to learn how to do it the other person's way. We can't always demand that it's done our way. We can't expect to always be comfortable. We have to sometimes meet someone else where they're at, do it their way. Um, let it Let it challenge us and make us grow you know but I want to normalize some things and we were talking about some other things in the earlier segment gonna talk about some of the um, intimacy needs that again a lot of people might shame or pathologize um, I want to just again normalize a lot of time together there's no there's no right speed at which to move some people like to spend a lot of time together other people want more space and distance neither ways better or more correct they both have some strengths they both have some negatives um, so let's break down into it. Emotional, psychological, it's okay to want to spend time expressing. It's okay to want to share thoughts, dreams, and hopes. Um, some people, again, feel like that might be too much or flooding. Yes, you want to assess how it's landing on the other person, but that's part of intimacy building Is sharing those deeper parts of ourselves. We don't want to pathologize that and say, oh, you talk too much. Oh God, are you kidding? Um, Also physicality. Some people, they love a lot of touch and affection. There's nothing wrong with wanting to hold someone's hand when you're walking with them or have your arm or their arm around you. I want us to really confidently express what our needs are and be ourselves and see if that works for the other person and kind of take it from there. Um, Because remember, the goal in relationships isn't to be liked. We're not imagining what they need from us. Uh, Which is often not even correct, but uh, we're not trying to be liked and at all costs to be, you know, to get them. We're trying to just be known and be ourselves. And when we show up fully that way, we can actually maybe build something with someone living, you know, mer- um, rooted in reality versus selling a dream. So we want to request the amount of touch that feels good and makes sense to us. We want to build the kind of emotional and psychological energy and, and, and intimacy that we're seeking, you know? Um, you don't have to just keep things superficial early on. Yes, we need to have boundaries. Yes, we want people to prove that we can trust them and then bring them deeper into our lives. We don't want to just, on, you know, from the jump expose, you know, some mental health issues or trauma histories. I think that that can be boundaryless. We want to let people get to know us and again, earn our trust, but there's nothing wrong with desiring that at some point. I think intellectual intimacy building is really kind of another important thing. Some people are really afraid to maybe express what they think or what they're interested in on philosophical or psychological levels because they don't want to scare the other person, turn them off, or deal with the potentiality that maybe someone doesn't have the same amount of intellect or introspection that you have. It's okay. We're not trying to get every single need met from our partners. That's why we have friends and other people in our lives. But again, I want people to show up with their total and full self. Um, Because again, some people have I want people to remember that there's so many different ways that we can relate, build intimacy and connect with someone and I don't want us to overfocus on one line or on what isn't able to be accessed or present. We have to be able to expand and rely on other things. So again, if our intellectualism isn't something that maybe our partner can um, engage us, it's, there's nothing wrong with that. We can try, give them a chance. Not everyone has had experiences of that, but then we realize, okay, well then we're gonna relate on other levels. And that's why we talk about all the different ways that we can be compatible with someone because some of those levels might not ever be accessible or might temporarily not be. And we want to have other ways that we can feel close and present with someone because it can be physical, it can be emotional, it can be intellectual, it can be experiential where we go out in the world socially and do things together. Um, It can also be spiritual um, and also sometimes sexual or creative. I love the idea that sometimes with partners or friends, you go do something that's artistically driven or something spiritually driven, going to church together, going to some lectures, going to a spiritual program, reading some things, meditating, praying, um, a sound bath. All sorts of different things. And those can be different ways that we really learn about other parts of ourselves and also our partner. But again, I'm, I guess the whole point of the segment is to point out that there's nothing wrong with trying to access these parts of someone else. But if it isn't a level that they can tolerate or or are seeking with you, that's okay. Because there's other ways to relate and there's other people that you can get these needs met through or by or from or for, whatever, whatever the right uh, word is there. Um, because a lot of people panic. <laughs> you know, they think if someone can't meet me on this level, we're doomed. Or they think, well, they're not able to. And so I'm, I'm going to shame that that attempt or I'm going to withhold that. No, give people a chance. You know, I've been in relationships with people that understandably might not have been as intellectual or philosophically driven as I am because that's my entire career. That's my passion. That's my hobbies. But I realized in giving people the opportunity, sometimes they surprised me and they showed up in their own way, in a way that wasn't expected. Um, not maybe necessarily the same entry points or the same languaging, but still possible. Um, okay, we are going to come back and do some DMs. Drop some stuff in there, questions, topics, the DMs on our Loveline edgy page. Otherwise, head on over to wearechannelq.com. It's where you can check out past episodes of the show. Binge, post, re-listen, and share, because it's all about unlearning and relearning some new stuff, spending time with the material, practicing, practicing, practicing because the quality of your life is rooted in the quality of your practice. But stick around, y'all, because we've got a whole lot more to come, so don't go anywhere. You are listening to Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q, and Odyssey we will be right back.
0: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me.
1: You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste or if you overcame Tourist, tour. you deserve this ice cold reward modello the markable fighter trick responsibly beer imported by Crownley port chicago illinois all right y'all we are back and uh now it is time to slide into those dms
0: sliding into the dms
1: Excuse me. This one says, Hey, Dr. Chris, is social media really a good reason to break up with someone? My boyfriend and I have been officially together for close to 10 months and he still hasn't posted about me. And he's active in all caps on social media, always taking selfies, always with friends, but never with me. I've asked and he said that he's waiting for the right photo, but that's dumb in my eyes. Um, Okay, well, either your boyfriend's a liar, and if you're dating a liar, you should break up and run. And if not, then you need to accept his answer. Um, I, I, you know, again, I'm assuming you're in a healthy relationship, and so why would this person not tell you the truth unless you're in a relationship that doesn't have a lot of deep intimacy? Like, that's the hard part about these questions. Are you at someone where you both are approachable and you're able to be told difficult information? Because remember, people won't tell you the truth if you're dramatic and overreactive. But if you're safe to be gone to, and he's been able to tell you difficult things and you've calmly listened, well then, yeah, I believe him when he says that. But if you're, you know, dysregulated and erratic and you have a lot of conflict in your relationship, well then yes, maybe he is lying. So the bigger issue is you have work to do in your relationship. But again, let's assume it's a healthy relationship built on trust. Well then yes, I want you to trust him. And again, if you don't, you have a bigger problem. You're dating someone who, when they tell you something, you don't believe them. Work on that first and don't care so much about social media. Also having said that, we need to get over the social media stuff. Like it's a mess. Maybe he doesn't want to put you on his page because he doesn't want to bring other people into the relationship. I do not post pictures of people I'm in a relationship with on my social media because that's not what I use it for. That's personal and private. And I don't put them on there. And if they had an issue with that, I'd say, here's why. It's private (laughs) and I don't do it like that. And if that means more to you, then what I'm telling you, then I don't want to be in this relationship. I don't want to be with someone who doesn't understand my boundaries and doesn't trust me when I tell them something. So like, yeah, it's a little bit of a trust issue. Having said that, I also want it to not be that deep for either of you. Um, So I'll never agree that we should dump people because they won't post a picture of us. That tells me that the relationship doesn't have that much worth or meaning to you. If you're willing to break up with him because he won't put your face on his Instagram, come on. Then the relationship should end. It's flimsy. But if the relationship has a lot of meat to it and a lot of love and a lot of care and a lot of commitment, then you talk it out. What meaning has he given you as to why he won't do that? Because the photo is not good. Then tell him, great, let's spend the day this weekend finding a really adorable photo of the two of us. We'll take a whole bunch of them, different lighting, different backgrounds, and we'll find one that we're both comfortable with. And then you can post it. Awesome. Case closed. But if that isn't something he's willing to do, then your work is to lovingly and calmly figure out what the meaning is in posting pictures and not posting pictures. It's called empathy. We don't wanna get mad. We wanna try to understand. That's a healthy relational skill because there is no rule. He doesn't have to ever post a picture of you. It's not bad or wrong. He hasn't broken a rule. There is no rule. It's a preference. You'd prefer that he did. So you're disappointed that he won't. You have to learn how to deal with disappointment and also ask him to further clarify what the meaning is. So there's a lot of work in there. It's a little more complex than it sounds But I'm a psychologist. I want us to get to the root of the psychology behind it all. I don't want to just say, I'm uncomfortable. Make me feel comfortable. Do what I want. That's primitive. And we don't learn anything from that. We don't grow from that. We don't bond from that. There's no learning in that. There's no trust built in that. You have to learn to trust him. And he has to learn to trust you. And in trusting you, he'll be able to really share with you what that's about. So stay calm, cool, and composed. But again, if you're threatening to leave him over that, then you really don't have much care for the relationship and there's no trust or commitment in there. Anyway, it shouldn't be that easy. We should never break up with people over things that we're disappointed about. Disappointments are part of relationships. You have to learn to allow disappointment. Otherwise you're saying I needed to be perfect. And you will never get perfect, which means you have to allow some disappointment. And here's your chance to practice that. I'm bummed out you won't post a picture of me, but disappointments are allowed. His job isn't to make you happy all the time. You know, so work through what I said and uh, circle back and let us know. You know, I always like hearing how it goes. All right, y'all, that is that. That's our show. If you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline and G page, questions, things you want us to circle back, drop deeper into, love hearing from you. Because uh, when you throw a question down there, you're helping others as you're helping yourself. Always anonymous, always confidential. And past episodes of the show are over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen and share. Lots of good unlearning and relearning there. Um, but spend the rest of the night focused on self-care, building a little bit of joy, some pleasure, rest, and, uh, be kind to those around you. You know, we're dropping the bar, but, um, as always, y'all, thanks for hanging out with me and y'all enjoy the rest of your night. Have a good night.
2: This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the name, your price tool from progressive.